Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am so glad you're here. This podcast emerged from work based in the exploration of collective grief and liberation. It exists to remind us about all the ways we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. Today's interview is with Adriana Adele, and we had a very sweet conversation about astrology and ancestors and um, doing the social change work in the world. Adriana Adele uses she, they pronouns and is a yoga facilitator and an advocate for collective well-being who studies and shares yoga as a practice of liberation. Through yoga, Adriana holds space for intentional movement, deep rest, black holistic well-being, disruption of toxic dominant narratives, discernment in action, learning and unlearning, embodiment and affirmation of our eternal divine wholeness as individuals and in service of collective liberation. Her work helps adults and kids effectively integrate the practices and benefits of yoga, including movement, meditation, deep rest, and breath techniques to their busy, messy, very real daily lives. Adriana is a registered yoga teacher, 500 hour, a yoga teacher trainer, holds a bachelor's of neuroscience from Oberlin College, and is the yoga and mindfulness teacher and strategic collaborator for the Get Fresh Daily Wellbeing programs. I hope you enjoy this amazing interview with Adriana. So hello, we just said hello to each other, but hello again, Adriana. (laughs) Thank you for being here um, and saying yes to being a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. You're here and excited to dive in and connect with you and and hear some about what's present for you at this time. Um, And we met in person when I was at three, when I came to three Queens to teach. Okay. But we like, but on social media, I feel like we're probably following each other. Oh yeah. I came to teach three Queens in remote. Yes. Because you were a big part of why I ended up there. Actually, you were like the catalyst (laughs) for bringing me there. So thank Mm -hmm. you for that. And it was, it was lovely to be in that space and, and in that part of your community. And I'm glad we've stayed in touch since, since that time. Me too. And we're excited to have you back. Yes. I'm just going to plan on continuing to come back for as long as y'all will have me. (laughs) I like that plan. Keep coming back. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to share some about who you are, what you do in the world, and you can answer this however you want. There's not a prescribed way to answer this. No one right way. My favorite. Um, Well, I'm Adriana Adele. How do I want to answer this? I'm currently living in Philadelphia on Lenny Lenape land. I am a Capricorn sun, Pisces, moon and rising. I don't know why that's where I'm starting, but that's where I am. I'm a big feeler sometimes an overthinker, uh, big fan of joy. 
And right now I study and share some of the practices of yoga with adults and kids to help them integrate it into their daily lives, mainly asana, yoga nidra, restoratives, pranayama, meditation, and a little bit more. Thank you. I love that you you were like, I'm a Capricorn sun and Pisces rising and move. And you're like, I don't know why I'm beginning in this place. You mentioned feelings and I am curious to know, I mean, there's a lot going on um, always, but perhaps more intensely or in a different way now. And I'm, I'm curious to know how you're feeling, what you've been feeling, what you've been noticing during this time. Yeah. I think the word I've been using for this time has been expansive, recognizing the depth of sadness and sorrow and grief and frustration and anger and recognizing the space for joy and love and togetherness and intimacy. There's no, I could rarely put how I'm feeling into like one word. (laughs) I can hold a lot at once. So these times have been interesting to say the least. It's been a time where I've been deeply going inward, like so many folks, like not even by choice, like we had to, we are very inside and have been very inside for a while. And that's just led me to greater depths within myself. I'm starting to feel clear, which I appreciate. I think, especially at the beginning of all of this, there was so much uncertainty and there is so much uncertainty. And through going inward, through my practices, and through just getting a little more quiet, I'm starting to find a different version of clarity that I'm really excited to continue cultivating and understanding and seeing where that brings me next. Yeah, I love the way you talked about going inward and and then clarity coming from, I mean, for so many of us, forced isolation, but then really embracing that and doing some, some inner work. And I'm curious to know what some about what you've learned or what has been clarified um, or illuminated as you've you've spent this time going inward. I think what's being clarified is my role in all of this. I think, and I wonder, I, I wonder, I feel like many people could relate that there has in the past I had this feeling of needing to be all things of needing to do everything and do everything well and and have my hands in so many pots. And it's been really good to pull back and get more clear on why I'm here and what I'm here to do and who I'm here to do it with. Um, Focus has never been my strong suit (laughs) ever. Um, In college, so after like my whole schooling career in college, I got diagnosed with ADHD and then I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then I forgot about it for a while and it's sort of come back up recently. And I think that's been a part of that sort of almost frantic what sense of urgency in terms of these problems, I see them, I'm starting to see them and I need to do something about them now. And I have to deal with everything at once. So I think one thing that has been illuminated for me or is being illuminated for me. I feel very in process right now. That's one thing I feel. I feel very in process. Um, I wish that I could be like, and I learned all of these things and here's my bullet point list and I'm done with this process, but I'm, I'm very much in the middle of it right now. Um, so I'm clarifying my role and what 
I'm here to do. And I think what has been really valuable in helping me find some of that clarity has been going deep within the practice of yoga nidra and really finding that quiet and getting to experience that indescribable part of myself that is a part of the divine. I mean, all of this is a part of the divine, but being able to to experience it in some sense is bringing me clarity. Yeah, I appreciate what you said about being in process. You don't really need the, the list, right? Um, it sounds like part of the lesson is allowing yourself to be in process and listening when you get information, when you receive information or clarity about something. And sometimes what we think is clarity actually is a question and it will lead to more questions. In my experience, this is what I've witnessed and observed and moved through. And you mentioned Yoga Nidra and I would love to know some about your practice of Yoga Nidra because it sounds like you can, from what you described, drop into that practice and that is where some of the information comes from is, is rest, right? Conscious rest, you know, where you are still awake. So I'd love for you to share some about your experience of yoga nidra. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in January of this year, so 2021, I did the Empowered Wisdom Yoga Nidra training with Tracy Stanley, who I know that you've been in conversation with before. Um, I actually applied for the fall of 2020 and like the timing didn't work out. And, and really that was for the best. It wasn't the right time for me. Um, so I waited, I like pouted a little bit. I waited until January and then stepped into her training, which was phenomenal and just what I needed at the time. And around that same time, I did a astrology reading with uh, astrologer Sonia Marie, who ended up channeling some of my ancestors um, very specifically my father's mother. And those two things happening at the same time was really interesting for me to experience. It felt like it gave me a bit of a channel to that. And, you know, I've been a yoga asana teacher for five years now. And like many yoga asana teachers, first few years are a hustle. You know, <laughs> a lot of classes, a lot of being and moving and doing and going from place to place. And I paired, ended up paring down all my classes so much in the, when we all went into the lockdown and quarantine, going from like 10 classes a week to two to three. Um, and that gave me the space to step into this yoga nidra training and really do something for myself, like very much not interested in I'm going to be a yoga nidra teacher now, and this is going to be my next thing, um, but rather to be accountable to the practice myself. And I had a very, I can't remember what month it was, but there was one month where your art of facilitation training and um, Tracy's and Chanti's training came at the same time. It was like the same weekend, like I did your four, I think it was like, what, maybe a Wednesday through Friday. And then I went Friday to Sunday in yoga nidra. And holding both of those conversations in the past could have felt like a contradiction because your, your facilitation was so much about identity and who we are and who we are in this version of the vessel. And what I was doing with, with Tracy and Chanti was so dissolving. <laughs> and I think in the past, that would have been really hard to hold both of them. There was still a part of me that wanted to be like, but I don't want to dissolve this 
black, beautiful body that I move through the world and like it is so important to me. And also, where is the value in this process, in this going inward to a place that is through the body, within the body, but beyond the body? I feel like I don't know if I answered the question. I may have rambled a bit. <laughs> no, you answered the question. And I love this, what you named about the facilitation training and yoga nidra and the practice of yoga nidra and the, it is an embodied practice and it is in part to help us remember we're not the body, right? And we're not the identities, even though we have these identities we embody and they affect how we move through the world. And talking about holding both at the same time. And I, I think they're deeply connected actually, right? In so many ways. So I'm, it's interesting to hear about your experience with both at the same time and the messaging around that and then how to hold both of the, the experiences you had. Can you share some about how you, because yoga nidra is different for different people and some folks listening may not actually know much about it. Um, and since you've, you've practiced it and gone through training, I'm curious if you would just, if you share some about it and, and how you practice it or anything you want to share about the practice or how you offer it, if you do teach it to others and hold that space. Yeah, I do offer it. And I do teach it. And it is one of now one of my favorite modalities to offer. So yoga nidra is a technique. It's a goddess and it is a state of being. It's a state of consciousness where we are. Some people will call it like yogic sleep, but that's not quite what's happening there. You're not sleeping. I always say at the beginning of class, you know, the point of yoga nidra is not to fall asleep. If you do fall asleep, that just means you needed some sleep. So I'm glad folks are sleeping, <laughs> but that's not the, uh, the intent. The intent is, is going into a place of deep relaxation, a very generative rest, and keeping a part of your consciousness awake to experience that. It's so it's so it's always so hard for me to describe because it's been described as an indescribable state. <laughs> but you know it when you experience it, you know it when you feel it, or witness it or observe yourself witnessing it. It's a remerging to quote Tracy, it's like a remerging with source, which I know can sound so like heady and like out there. Um, but again, it's, it's something to, to be experienced. And it's a place where I go to rest, to find refuge, to slow down first and foremost. Remember when one of the first days of the training, as we're like setting up our nest, or that's the place that you go. So you put your body in the most comfortable version of Shavasana that you can be in, which for me is such a joy because frankly, like flat on the ground Shavasana, it took me like two years of my yoga practice to realize that that was miserable. <laughs> and I was like, what am I missing here? And my body, it just didn't work. So you have all of the props, all of the bolsters and really get to tend to the details of your own care and rest, which as a person who holds identities that are told not to rest, you know, as a woman, as a black woman, we're not conditioned to be told to rest or to slow down or to, to tend to the details of care. And I think that the toxic dominant frameworks that we live within, you know, like you say, they affect everyone. So we all have this experience of thinking close enough is good enough. 
So even just in the setting up of the nidra-ness to offer yourself the fullest rest was like radical to me. Oh, and I remember setting up the nest the first time and I was like, okay, I have to get this. And she's gonna start talking in two seconds and let me make sure this blanket's down. And I just hear Tracy's voice go and now move 50% slower. Recognizing that the, the practice isn't the 20 minutes when someone's talking you through all of these points of the body or however you're doing it in that particular nidra technique. The practice is something to be infused in every step in every way you move, in every way you you set the blanket or you fold. I love yoga nidra and love the way you just described it and described the nest and and also how the practice pervades everything. So it's not it's not just like I'm going to rest. The hope is like we're going to consciously rest and take that time and set up the conditions for rest whenever we can, right? All of the time or in whatever ways we can depending on what we're doing and what conditions are in place. And interested to know, you mentioned ancestors earlier and I wrote this down. I'm interested to know, because you mentioned yoga ninja training and the astrology reading you had, to know more about your ancestors and the connection between, with your ancestors and rest, if there is a connection for you. Because to me, it feels like you're resting for them. And I know Octavia Rahim talks about this. Tracy talks about it. And I'd love to hear your, how you feel about it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my father is Nigerian. We don't have the closest relationship now. And over time, especially over the past five years, but specifically the past two, I've really wanted to get back in connection with my Nigerian roots um, with where I come from on that side of things. And it felt hard. It feels hard to, that's, it feels like a hard thing to do when you don't have a, a strong, safe, direct connection to the people that, that are directly connected to your ancestors. But during January, right after I started the training, um, I drove down to Georgia, see my mom. It had been a really long time and started going through old photos and going through old photos. And there pops a photo of my paternal grandmother who I had never met before she passed before I was born. And I texted my dad and I was like, this is grandma, yeah? And I was like, what's her name? And turns out her first name was Comfort. <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, okay, that feels significant <laughs> that feels large um that feels weighty and that photo is up on my altar now and last year I'm jumping around a little bit but June of 2020 I started a class called breathe and rest which was a restorative yoga pranayama class for black folks because it we needed it we need it um, but it felt particularly important in that moment and as I had been teaching that class, every time I would go in to teach, I would get just like a little sensation on the right side of my neck. Just a little something. And it felt like almost like a hand <laughs> resting on the side of my shoulder and my neck. And, and I would be teaching and I'd be like, oh, that's the sign to slow down and lean back. That's the sign to. <sighs> and it wasn't until I did that astrology reading in January. And after I saw my grandmother's photo, that I was like, oh, that's her founder she's right here she's been here this whole time 
And it was shortly after that, that I realized when I wake up from a nidra, not all the time, but often I'll have a little like tears in my eyes. I'll have like just a little bit, just like one or two in each eye. And something told me those are tears of relief of your ancestors. And there's no way that's not the case. Like that's, that's very true to me that that's their, that's them coming through like in a sigh of relief that there is rest happening in, in our lineage for us, for not just myself, for us. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And the different, I mean, comfort, first of all, that, and the different signs, right? The hand on your shoulder as you're leading rest, the tears and knowing they're about release and relief that you're making space to rest and the healing that can happen or is happening in your line and for yourself and ultimately others then because you're making space to, to rest. And are there other ways you're, that you're aware your ancestors communicate with you or send signs or are there other ancestors you want to call into the space? Yeah, I would love to call in my maternal grandmother, Janet Hugh. Uh, she left this plane December of 2018. She was a badass. She was a really dope woman that I wish I had been more available to while she was on this plane um, or had a better understanding of what everything meant. She was born in Guyana on that side of my family. Um, great, great, great grandfather was from Goa and was kidnapped and made an indentured servant and brought to Guyana. So that's how, sort of how we ended up there. And she actively remembers colonization, like actively remembers when like the British came and she talked about how the roads changed and how her shoes were different. Um, and those are the things that I really wish I had a better understanding of when she said it, that I could really ask more questions because like you said, questions lead to more questions, but I can still ask, still ask her questions at least. And last July, July, somewhere in the summer, time is kind of soupy. <laughs> it's so weird right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like very odd, but sometime last summer, um, like I said, I live in Philadelphia and the summer of the surge of the uprisings was felt very intense here, very intense, especially with the Philadelphia Police Department uh, murdering Walter Wallace in our city during that time. And my nervous system felt just frayed. I remember going outside and trying to do a little pranayama and get some air and hearing the helicopters and hearing the helicopters and just being like, and trying to, and just not being able to. And I, it was a particularly rough couple days and I sort of started setting up my altar and I have this one seashell, like one little baby conch shell from a place called Megan's Bay in St. Thomas, which is, I was born in St. Thomas. I lived there a very short time before I left, but that's the beach that I, I played on as like a baby. I think that's the one that my parents just sort of like threw me into the water to make sure I could swim. And I brought this shell back maybe early 2010s. It had been in my backpack. It had been all over the place. I brought it places, it's been on multiple altars, but last summer I picked it up and sand fell out into my hand. 
it was that I think that was the moment where I was like oh no people are trying to reach me I am held I am so far from alone just watching sand from the beach that I group played on as a child fall out of my hands yeah people are are communicating with you and you are held in this way and I mean that's so just profound to have that experience I mean all of everything you described but like to me it sounds like you're you're open to receiving the messages right like once she realized oh folks are communicating with me they want to communicate with me really being open to to receiving yeah when I did my astrology reading um I shared with the astrologer like how much pain I was feeling from feeling disconnected from lineage and ancestry and and she said like your grandma's saying you are every time you wonder that like just look at your hands look at your feet look at your skin look at yourself we are never not with you you are uh, so I'm like almost getting a little well emotional even just re recalling that and it, it makes me really think of like the work that Leila Saad does around being a living ancestor like what does that mean and how do I how do I stay available to the, to the messages that can't always be seen but can be felt that that are always waiting you know so much of our society has us moving so quickly has us really hustling and moving and doing so that like no 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 I'll get to that later and I'm trying to figure out I think that's what my clarity is trying to to bring to me now is how do I stay in this world and do what I am here to do and also stay available to what is still trying to reach me I mean what comes to me is the what, how you talked about yoga nidra as that practice that can that is supporting you and slowing down enough to receive and to listen to yourself because your ancestors are you the the astrologers right i mean we are a manifestation of, of our, <laughs> our ancestors and our lineage and i'm i'm curious to know since you mentioned leila Saad and being a living ancestor I'm interested to know what it means to you. Like, what does it mean to be a living ancestor or what comes into your awareness as you think about it? The first thing that comes into my awareness is that I am not planning to have kids. That is not in my plan to personally create a whole human inside of me and then somehow get it out and do that whole thing. Like, I think it is beautiful and magical and wonderful. And shout out to all the pregnant people who are doing it. Um, and all the parents, but that's not, I don't feel like that's my path. And when I realized that I was like, oh, well, can I really even be an ancestor? Like, isn't that how that works? Like you have kids, that's how ancestry works. But that it's such a wider space than that. There are so many ways to move in a way that offers a legacy of, of what you want to offer of how you want to shape things, um, not to, to force or impose your will, but rather to be a vessel for whatever is to come after you. Like this moment that we're in was made up of everything that's been and is creating the space for all that is yet to be. You know, it's now, it's here and now, but it's also expansive. So to me, being a living ancestor means being in that discernment of what upholds 
that which is life enhancing for us all. And how can I do that? And how can I do that? Yeah, I'm not going to have kids um, through my own body, but how can I offer that same energy out into the world? And I think about that with how I care for my dog, how I care for my little slab of South Philly concrete, (laughs) how I care for those around me. And I'm lucky, so lucky to work with a camp um, or with an organization that runs a camp every summer. So I do get that, like I do get to hang out with kids. I think they're the best, they're hilarious. And in working with kids, I really had to ask myself, like, what did I need as a child? Like, who did I need? And can I be that person um, for others who, who step towards me in that way? Not so much, again, not like imposing or proselytizing, but can I, in my way of being, be the person that I may have needed? And what do I have to do? Like, how do I have to be accountable to myself to make that happen? Because if you just do that, if you're like, oh, I'll just be who I needed as a kid, but you don't go into that inquiry of like, what's my own stuff? What do I need to uproot? What, what do I need to unlearn from the very marrow of my bones and, and my flesh? If you don't do that work and stay in that work, it doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the yes, we have to do the inner work. And, and it's not like a one-time thing. It's you're in process, right? You're doing the work of now and it may look different in a month or it may look exactly the same. And I think it's the important thing is that you're, you recognize the connection between your work and how you on yourself and how you show up in the world and your relationships with, with others, with kids, with adults, with animals, with all beings, right? That's the connection I hear you, you making. And I love how you described being a living ancestor and how you think about being a living ancestor and what we are like the ground we're tending or preparing for the future. You didn't use those words. That's what came to me though. And and listening to you and also how, what I felt is how sacred it is to be a living ancestor, to have an awareness. You're a living ancestor. Like I felt that from you, that you understand it's sacred right? A sacred practice to be a living ancestor and to, to understand like the power that comes along with it. Yeah. I think being able to see clearly and place the right value on things has been a practice and part of the clarity that has been coming through. Spent a long time putting, I still do, but putting too much or too little value on things. And that shifts the way that you, or that I interact with them and are in relationship with them. And there is so much more precious out there than I saw before. And being able to see that for other people, being like, this is precious for you has been really valuable. And, and for me, it's, I've, been questioning like what does it mean to make more of my life ritual not to say that we always have to be in this very like somber or like certain state all of the time but discipline has never worked well for me (laughs) it's never been very effective 
but the reframe, which again, invoking Tracy, devotion rather than discipline. And from that question of like, how do you make discipline into devotion came for me, how do I make this all ritual? You know, I was thinking about you being a Capricorn sun and Pisces moon and rising and the difference in those two. <laughs> like my Chiron is in Pisces, but nothing else. And I don't think I have any Capricorn, um, but I know some Capricorn. So I, I just think it's so like the, the flow and the emotions and the ethereal and the, the devotion, I'm really glad you said that word because I think Capricorns are very devoted to what, to their work, to their commitments, to their, like, it's, I said, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do it. This is what I'm supposed to do, um, which isn't rigid. And I just love how you, it, you named it as devotion and it made me think about your sign. And then this, what you were saying about discipline, which your Pisces parts are not going to like allow you to respond to discipline in that way. You're just going to go with the, the thing. So I think it's beautiful that um, that you offered that and, and what Tracy said about devotion and what are you devoted to and what do you want to be devoted to and, and devotion of. So I'm glad that you, you named that. And I'm sitting here thinking about the internal struggle of, of not struggle, but experience rather of Pisces and Capricorn together. Struggle feels, feels accurate at times. Definitely a struggle in here. Um, but I appreciate you making that connection between the, the Capricorn energy and devotion because when I was in true Capricorn sun form, when I was a kid, I was like, astrology is complete BS. Like there's no chance this stuff is real. Um, and I think part of that is because I was so, I was like, well, all I knew was Capricorn sun. And my insides didn't match that at all. I was like, I'm feeling, I'm artistic, I'm all of these other things. How can this be who I'm supposed to be? Um, like, I was like, this is the most boring sign. <laughs> That's what I always thought. And then as I grow into it, and as I have a better understanding of astrology, that reframe of Capricorns are devoted. It's a sign of devotion. Like that is a deep love to like show up in a certain way, to show up where you are, to be there in that way is, is devotion. And I think I had used to have the concept of devotion as like, okay, the time that I go sit in front of my altar. But when I was able to, to step back from that as the only way devotion can be, again, that one, one right way kind of energy and see that I'm devoted to my plants, that I'm devoted to all of like where I spend my time is how I can show devotion. And that's helped me hold myself accountable to my favorite version of myself or to try and, and, and connect with that favorite version of myself on a more regular basis is like, oh, okay, like maybe today I am devoted to like sitting on the couch and vegging out and doing whatever that is and not putting the incorrect value of that being wrong or bad. <laughs> right. But rather letting letting it be devotion, seeing it a little differently. I love it. And, and Capricorns are the, it's the mountain goat. It's the goat that like climbs the mountain and it's like on the ledge. And you're like, how did the goat get up there? But the goat knew it could get up there. Do you know what I mean? It's that yeah. kind of mm -hmm. energy. It's like persistence. And I think ferocity too, and groundedness as well. And devotion as we spoke about. So I appreciate 
it just says a lot about commitment and, and how you show up in the world for sure. I went on a kick for a little while of just watching videos of mountain goats going up the side of a mountain. Of if you course. haven't. <laughs> of course you were like, Hey, that's my like kindred. Right yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, how do you do that? And when you see it, it's wild. These big hooves on these tiny, tiny little pieces of mountain and hopping and hopping. And there's gotta be a good reason. So I think my clarity that's coming through is like, what is your mountain? Like you, you grow into your birth chart in certain ways, especially with a sign like Capricorn in terms of just like time and mastery and all of that energy. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm like, where is my mountain? Like, I know I have this in me, but where, mm-hmm. where am I going to put it? Where am I going to devote it to? Mm-hmm. That's a good, good question to be with, to sit with. It's a powerful question. You mentioned ritual, and I'm curious to know, and yoga nidra certainly is a practice and can feel like a ritual, at least in my experience. And I'm curious to know if there are other rituals you have called on or practiced over the last year and a half since we've been in this intense time or before that. I'd love to hear more about ritual. The first one that comes to my mind is a shower. My showers have, not every shower, but shower has turned into a ritual for me. Now that I'm becoming more in relationship with silence and quiet, that's a new thing for me. But I would always have a podcast on. I would always have something on. I'd have music. I would have all of this going on. And in the past, especially year and a half, just an intentional shower, like feeling the water on me and letting it um, as best it can just like clear the energy especially now as we're going back out into the world more in different ways, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's different for everyone. That's like necessary for me is to give myself that time to just be quiet and with water again, going back to the whole Pisces moon sort of thing. (laughs) I guess it makes sense. Um, But giving, letting that be a ritual. The funny thing with me is I think that consistency isn't always like there's not one that's like been there for an really like many years that I can think of off the top of my head it kind of moves in waves and cycles but one of my rituals was was spending time with my flowers out front I used to be big like only indoor plants I don't understand outdoor plants but we have a huge window in front of our house it's about like six or seven feet long and we got a window box placed in there and it was my joy of just going out there and, and having like a little, little amount of dirt that I can get my fingers into and, and looking at each different flower and chopping off the dead leaves and looking at the new growth, letting that be a ritual time has been so valuable. Nature has so much to teach us, even and especially I think if it's like one little box of flowers of reminding it became this place where I could remind myself of the cycles and I remember that they're okay. Like nature cycles, it's supposed to had a thing with permanence that I've always been to sort of like, I would be like the kid that would cry when we would leave my, like uh, leave a sleepover or something. I would just like wail and wail. I'd be so upset. Like when the good times happened, like I wanted to hold on forever. Um, <laughs> and spending time with nature and those, those rituals 
of just being with the plants has shown me like, it's okay. <laughs> Things dissolve and destroy into nothingness and out of nothingness comes what is to be next. The other ritual that has come up recently has been tarot, which has been interesting because I never, I like started with getting into astrology and I was like, I don't know, tarot, like these are just some cards that are like, how can that work? You know, I'm a bit of a skeptic. Like when I first start something like the first, I won't even get into the first yoga class I went to. Um, <laughs> but with tarot, I was like, I don't know about this. And somewhere along the line, I ended up with a deck and I've been since the beginning of the year doing just like a one pull every morning and just seeing and just being open, seeing what happens. I keep them on my altar. I'm not very good at it yet or reading it. I'm always Googling and reading the little book and trying to figure it out, but that's been grounding. Do you remember which card you pulled today? Actually, I keep them out. I pulled three today. The King of Swords, which has been coming up a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Ten of Cups mm. and the Sun. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what I, I pulled tarot cards too and have worked with tarot for a while. I still look up interpretations though. It's like a, it feels like math to me to remember all of the, like what it means. And so it doesn't stick in my brain. Mm -hmm unless it's quite obvious, like the sun, I could, I could figure out what, you know, and I know what the different suits mean or what elements are associated with them. And someone told me, you know, when you pull a card, instead of looking at the interpretation, just notice like what resonates with you. And, and often what comes up for us in response to the image or the number or the letters or the colors is very connected to the interpretation. And it really is about what it means to us anyway and how it might show up, you know, in our lives. So you don't have to be good at it is what I want to say. It's like, it's a practice. And I think it's how we relate to the divination tool. It's like what comes from us in response to it or what is our relationship like with it or how, what speaks to us or what doesn't, right? What doesn't resonate? So I wanted to offer that to you. And, and the King of Swords is coming up a lot. Do you know what that, what does that mean? for you. So from what I've read in my little book, there is a, uh, about a, a discipline is what came up. That's the one word that I remember from reading it probably three times a week for the past month. Wow. Discipline. Um, I swear it's been coming up a lot. And like, even in, um, not even just in polls, like just jumping out of the deck kind of style and structure. So that's what I've been thinking about, about a lot recently is like, what structures do I need in place mm -hmm. for what is next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the swords are connected with air too, which, which isn't structured. Like we can't see it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it changes form depending on the other elements. And I'm wondering about our conversation about devotion and actually if, if that card is about devotion and more clarity, because there's a lot in, in our conversation and there's probably a lot coming through clarity about devotion and, and how you want to show up for yourself and, and others. So maybe there's a reframe there and maybe that's why it's showing up. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I like it though. Yeah. So 
Thank you for spending some time with me today and being in conversation and being organic about this <laughs> and going where, where are we? I mean, that's very Pisces going where we go, right. And, and being in that flow together. And thank you for your wisdom. I felt a lot of, I felt your ancestors in your words and um, your own wisdom from your, your experience in this lifetime to come through. So thank you for sharing yourself with, with me and, and the folks who will listen to this. Thank you so very much for having me, for being in conversation. It's always, always a joy. Mm-hmm. We'll have many more conversations. Thank you, Adriana. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, as you all may know, I have a new book out, Finding Refuge, Heart Work for Healing Collective Grief, published by Shambhala Publications. It was published on July 13th, 2021, and can be found anywhere where books are sold. Along with the book, you can join me for some offerings focused on finding refuge and focused on collective grief, ritual, and processing trauma, allowing it to move through so that we can get free. We'll explore the connection between grief and liberation. You can support the podcast Finding Refuge by telling your friends about it and rating it on iTunes. You can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action. I offer monthly Dharma talks, rituals, meditations, or movement practices. I hope you join me there. Take care. Be well, friends. Thank you.